Hello, and welcome to another podcast by TouchstoneFinancialEducation.com. My name is Elliot Cox. I can be found at TouchstoneFinancialEducation.com. Take a look at the website. Shoot me an email. It's my connections down there at the bottom of the site. I can also be found on LinkedIn. Again, my name is Elliot Cox, and so there's your shameless plug. It's nice to see faces of listeners, and a few of you have reached out to me via LinkedIn, so thanks. It's kind of cool. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to my foreign listeners. Um, I've got ears in Cyprus, Belgium, Spain, Russia, and Canada. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to me here in the United States. Great. All right, so today we're going to talk about stocks. Now, in my last podcast, I went through a way of analyzing the markets, and I used an example of an upside-down pyramid, all right? And the reason I turned that pyramid upside down is that so the broadest base, or the broadest component, rather, is sticking up in the sky. That's where we look at the macro news. And then as we move down the pyramid, not to repeat everything here, but as we move down the pyramid, we get more specific in our analysis. And last time I stopped at ETFs and mutual funds or exchange traded funds and mutual funds. And for those of you who want to know the difference, I did put a podcast out on those as well. So instead of going the ETF mutual fund route today, we're going to talk about stock and specifically get started on stock analysis. And I said before that I would get more specific or complicated in these podcasts. So here we go. So the next four or five, we're going to start digging into the weeds a little bit on investment analysis. Now, what is a stock? A stock is just a unit of ownership. That's it. You own one share, you own a piece of the company. Doesn't matter what they do, right, or where in the world they are, you own a piece of that company. And when we look at investing in stocks, the first thing I'd like to see people do is make sure you've got enough time to do analysis. Don't just jump out there and buy what your friend said or what you heard at work or at a party or whatever. We want to make sure that we've run some numbers, if you will, or looked at metrics, just units of measurement, to determine if what we're looking at is a viable investment. And last time as well, just one last thing about the last podcast, we talked about putting together a watch list. So if you've got more than just ETFs and mutual funds on your watch list, here's where we're going to dig into it on each individual company. Okay, so stock analysis basically comes in two forms. That's fundamental and technical. And for the next several podcasts, we're going to focus on that fundamental component. Then I'll round it out with some technicals because, you know, some people agree that it's a wonderful way of looking at stocks. Others do not. But when we're looking at fundamental analysis, when we're using metrics, all we're looking at is how well the company has done in a year, a quarter, a couple of years, etc. Basically, we want to see how much money they made. Now, because we are talking about an investment, we don't just stick to the numbers of the company in and of itself. We have to be able to compare it to other companies that are in the same sector, okay? Uh, maybe of the same size. And the way we do that is by looking at ratios. I'm going to circle back to that in a second. But let's get started here today with what's going to be happening in the next few weeks. The second quarter is over, so we're going to start getting earnings reports. And for those of you who don't know, an earnings report is just a company issues a report once a quarter to say how well they're doing fundamentally, right? 
What does their income statement look like? What does their balance sheet look like? So us as investors in individual stocks, this is going to be a very important time of the quarter. It's usually the first two or three weeks of the subsequent quarter. So between now and maybe the middle of July, earnings reports will start coming out on a daily basis. So we want to watch. So with our watch list, we're going to be looking for earnings report. And what are we looking at briefly on an earnings report? Well, obviously, we want to take a look at their earnings, how well they did. Okay, and it's usually stated in earnings per share or EPS, meaning for every share outstanding, how much money did the company bring in divided by the number of shares? That's it. All right. And one of the easiest ways to do that is taking a look at what analysts say. Now, we could do our own research, of course, and we'll get into that, too. But take a look at what the analysts are saying. So if you have a company and they have followers from Jefferies and Goldman Sachs and Credit Suisse and Motley Fool and Seeking Alpha, all of these different resources, what are the analysts expecting from the company? Okay, and what we do when we look at that earnings per share is we're looking for either outperform, performed as expected, or underperformed, okay? And generally speaking, those three categories will tell you what's going to happen to the stock right after that report comes out. So let's say a company comes out and says, hey, we earned a dollar one per share. Excellent. All right. Well, in and of itself, that means nothing. We have to compare it to what the analyst said as well as what other companies just like it said. So let's say they came out at one dollar and one cent and the analysts were expecting 97 cents a share. So we'd say they beat on their earnings by four cents a share. That's good. That's what we want. We want to see companies that are thriving, that are vibrant, putting stuff out there, of course, that people want. And now we see that they outperformed the expectation by an analyst. So as we're doing our fundamental research, you could check that off your box saying, hey, the stock, or excuse me, the company outperformed with its earnings per share. Okay, if it met expectations or came in under, there are ways to still see if it's a viable option for investing in now and going forward. And like I said in the last podcast, right now we're putting our game plan in place because let's just be honest, the stock market's looking kind of ugly. And right now might not be the best time to put money to work, but hopefully before the end of the year, we can put these plans in place to execute. All right, so we've got earnings per share. We've got an outperform, performing as expected, and underperformance. So when a, when a company comes in, performing as expected or underperformed, sometimes the stock dips after the earnings report comes out. And here's where we're going to dig into things a little bit too. One of the things that, that I have to say, earnings per share is important. I got to bring that up first. That's Stock Investing 101. But the number that I truly like is the revenue number. And you're going to find the revenue number at the top of the income statement. And what this number is, it just says, hey, this is how much money the company brought in before all the expenses were netted out, okay? Because earnings per share is a net number and the revenue number is a gross number. I like that, especially as a tech investor, I really like that because many tech companies, especially smaller or startup companies, might not beat the analyst expectations of their, uh, of their stock performance, or excuse me, of their fundamental performance, but 
that revenue number will show you, are they bringing in more money? Are they getting more customers? Is their product or service being more accepted? And you get that from that revenue number. So sometimes we have a situation where the earnings report came in a little worse than expected, like an underperformance. So in my example, instead of $1.01 per share, it might have come in at, mm, let's say, $0.75 cents per share. Now, that's a real underperformance, so there might be something wrong there. But that also might mean that there are uh, capital expenditures, especially for smaller or startup companies, where they're expanding the company. So everything they have and then some, they're throwing back in to improve or expand their product. Maybe hiring more people, more salespeople. Maybe they acquired another company. So just because the earnings report wasn't as expected doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. And that's why we do this kind of analysis. Okay. And by the way, that capital expenditure, usually it's stated as CAPEX, C-A-P period space E-X. Just extra money they're spending to grow their company, all right? And so when we look at the revenue number to circle to back to that real quick, that again, I like that because if they're bringing in more money, but maybe their CapEx number is a little higher than expected, that's all right because that tells me that the company is on the right track. And as a buy and hold investor, I might move in the direction of buying it or keeping it on my watch list because it's something that I want to stay current with all right and it's easy because you got your watch list you'll get alerts especially for those of you who are using uh, platforms like seeking alpha or motley fool and even in your trading platform um, td ameritrade e-trade charles schwab doesn't matter you'll get alerts on those companies in your watch list now when we're looking at that earnings per share once again another way to view it is through ratios so the stock market okay, is organized into size of companies and into sectors, as I mentioned in previous podcasts. And that P-E ratio, that price to earnings ratio, is a way that gives you the opportunity to compare company to company, okay? So if we're going to take a look at, for example, a large cap company, a company that would be, let's say, on the S&P 500, and I'm going to get to how all that works as well in subsequent podcasts, we can take the P.E. ratio, for example, of Amazon and Microsoft. Now, they're two slightly different businesses, but by using ratios, by using that P.E. ratio, we can see how well or poorly those companies are doing. And what P.E. stands for is price per share over, or excuse me, price of the stock over earnings per share. This is the most common metric used to determine the viability of an investment. It's been around forever. P-E ratio, price of the stock over earnings per share. And because it's stated in a ratio, like I said, we could use it to compare it to companies in the same sector or companies perhaps of the same size outside of the sector. So we can kind of make a reasonable connection between, let's say, Nike and Pfizer and Visa and PayPal and ExxonMobil based on that P-E ratio. All the companies I mentioned, for example, are large cap companies and they're on the S&P 500. Right now, 
the fair value, as it's called, remember I mentioned outperforming, performing at market, or meeting expectations and underperformance, that's where this metric comes in. Okay, so today, or I should say as of Friday the 1st, I'm recording this on the weekend, as of Friday the 1st, the S&P 500 P.E. ratio at the close was 19.33. Okay, so if we have companies that have a P.E. ratio that is higher than 19.33, that means that the stock is a little more expensive than the rest of the companies in that group, relatively speaking, meaning they've got perhaps less earnings per the number of shares outstanding. And that's significant because that gives us things like, is the company overvalued, valued at market? And by the way, valued at market in this case would be 19.33 because that's where the S&P 500 is. This is large cap company analysis, okay? And if they came in less than 19.33, that could be a good sign. That means that they are undervalued, okay? Or they're trading at a discount, all right? So looking for companies based on the price-to-earnings ratio, taking a look at that revenue number, and then comparing it to other companies in its sector, and of course, at its same size, makes a difference in our analysis, okay? So now we're narrowing down what we're gonna look at by how we are looking at it, all right? So let's get back to that S&P 500 ratio for a second. And by the way, if you would like a visual of the S&P 500, please take a look at finviz.com. F-I-N as in Nancy, Victor Idaho Zebra. I have no affiliation with them. I like it though, because you go to that website, it's a screener, which I'm going to talk about in subsequent podcasts as well. But take a look at that square off to the right. It's usually red and green, looks all Christmassy, whatever. Click on it, make it big. There are 500 companies in that big block. And if you hover your mouse over any one of them, the stats for that company will come up as well as companies in that sector. Okay, and that's a visual of the S&P 500. So as we're doing this analysis, we can get a visual of what we're looking at if you're trying to compare large capitalization companies, okay, like Nike, like Pfizer, like Bank of America, like Freeport MacMoran, okay, different sectors, but we use these ratios to kind of compare and contrast, all right, and that's really it. Those are the two most important numbers, P.E. ratio, revenue, and then we compare it to the overall index. And in this case today, I'm talking about the S&P 500, which is a large cap index. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, market capitalization is the number of shares multiplied by the price of the stock. And the reason that's important is because that gives us the size of the company. So a small cap company, for example, is a company that will have a market cap of between, let's say, five and seven billion. Um, the numbers are a little fuzzy because you know markets are constantly moving, and the big companies out there, the mega cap companies like Apple and so forth, they tend to skew the the size of the companies upward because they are so big. All right, so five to seven billion. On a small cap, 7 to 12-ish, I guess you'd say, for 
a mid-cap company, a mid-size company, and then large cap like on the S&P 500, generally speaking, is about $15 billion and up. And then, you know, you do get into this mega cap territory and, and the lines are blurry. Depends on who you talk to, what analysts you're reading, what is considered a mega cap company. But again, it's taking the price per share times the number of shares outstanding. So that's important. So we've got the capitalization. We've got the earnings per share. We've got the earnings expectations, right? What are analysts expecting from these companies? How can we react as investors? We've got it on our watch list. If analysts like it, hey, maybe we should like it too, okay? The revenue number, how much money did they bring in? Like I said, I like that the best because it just gives you your gross number before they bring in stuff, and especially with tech companies that are closer to being startups like unicorns of the last few years, like the Snowflakes and Palantirs and so forth. They're not going to make a lot of money straight out of the gate, but that revenue number, that all-important revenue number will tell us how many customers are getting, how much money they're bringing in quarter to quarter or year over year. And remember, the second quarter just ended. So we want to start watching for these earnings reports and take a look at that revenue number, take a look at the P.E. ratio, and please compare these companies to other companies in this sector, right, doing the same kind of things as well as the same size company. Now, an argument could be made for comparing companies of different sizes or of different sectors, sure, but as, as investors, we want to see how our company is doing relative to its competition of the same size. That gives us a more accurate opportunity, or I should say, um, uh, way of evaluating what we want to invest in. And of course, again, don't forget to take a look at Finviz. It's really fun. It's a stock screener, and I'll get to how to use stock screeners as well. But I really wanted to show you or give you guys a visual on that S&P 500 box, and you'll see what I mean. All of those companies. So if you're an index fund investor, and you've got the, um, uh, like the VOO, for example, from Vanguard, that's their S&P 500 index ETF, for every share you have, all of those companies are in there, okay? And the size of that box on finviz.com for each company represents the portion of that index it is. So even on that box, we get an idea of using ratios or metrics, okay? That price-to-earnings ratio helps set the size of that box. So not to give you a headache today, but there are going to be more fundamental metrics that I'd like to get into but I'm going to go ahead and just provide one or two at a time so that you can mull it over, think about it, and incorporate it into your own analysis. Again, earnings per share, which gills to the P.E. ratio. We've got the revenue number. And then next time we'll go into things like dividend yield. All right. But this is a component of fundamental analysis. And we didn't even touch technical analysis today. Like I said, we'll touch those in the future as well. So fundamentals and technicals are a way to analyze stocks. So I hope you have your watch list together. And as you do, as we get into second quarter earnings season, please take a look at those three different things, PE, revenue, and earnings per share, what analysts think about them, okay, and how they compare to other companies in their sector. Thanks, guys. Um, I know that's a lot. Hopefully, you're able to take some notes. I will repeat some of this on the next one. 
And once again, this is Touchstone Financial Education. My name is Elliot Cox. You can find me at touchstonefinancialeducation.com as well as on LinkedIn. And like I said, I really enjoy seeing your faces. Um, And maybe I'll get to hear from some of my international listeners via my LinkedIn page as well. Enjoy your weekend. Have a good time. And I'm going to record the next one here in about a week or so. Looking forward to it. Goodbye.